Welcome to Hiraith, a home for the left in Wales. Our episode today is looking at federalism. First, we are joined by the leader of the Welsh Liberal Democrats, Jane Dodds. In the second half of the show, we'll have a discussion between Heaven David MS and Mark Cooper, talking about federalism and independence in Wales. Joining me and Kerry this evening to discuss federalism is Jane Dodds, the leader of the Welsh Liberal Democrats. Hello, Jane. Hello there. Nice with that. Not so bad. Hey, Hamid, thank you for coming on to the show this evening. As I said previously, we're going to talk about uh, federalism. But before we go on to the subject specifically, a couple of days ago, you, you, you said that the Conservatives posed the biggest threat to the Union. Do you mind going in a little bit more detail about what you meant by that? And is that why you want a federal UK? You know, it really is about their approach and attitude to devolution and how they're constantly undermining that. And we've never seen that as we have done in such sharp focus as we have in the COVID-19 crisis. An example, uh, and it goes back pre-COVID, but as I said, it's been short, brought into sharp relief by COVID, is, is, is that they're not talking to the devolved assemblies in both in Scotland and in, in, in the Senate. Over Brexit, there was really no discussions, no opportunity for Wales to really put their, their viewpoints and their positions in relation to, you know, the kind of negotiations. The decline started long before that, but then if we go to COVID, and we see what's happened here in Wales versus what's happening in England and the way that decisions are made, announcements are made. And we know from Mark Drakeford and from Nicola Sturgeon that we're not consulted on those. So, you know, it really is about us bringing a, a kind of profile to this, which is so important for us in Wales as we go into the Senate elections next year as well. We've got to get this straight. The Conservatives uh, are undermining us. And I can give lots of other examples. Daniel Kaczynski, MP for Shrewsbury, <laughs> talking about how the Senate should be abolished. How dare he? And where were the voices from the Conservatives saying, Daniel Kaczynski, stay out of it? I, I, you know, there weren't many. Uh, there, was, there was one or two. Fair play to them. Uh, but really, you know, it continues and we've got to stand up to it. Jane, I, I want to pick up because tonight's episode is all around federalism. And i got to be fair, I wasn't familiar with the Lib Dem position on federalism. So I'd just be wondering if you could explore that from, you know, what does it mean for you? It, it's about partnership of equals. That's the, that's the easy way of me saying it, really. It, it, it is about us obviously working together. It's about us really being clear about how we can be equal in uh, the way we see our futures which is about us recognising the separate identities that there are across the nations, but about us saying we need a fairer settlement, we need a fairer distribution of the resources, um, and we need a respect for our devolved settlements, uh, which recognises how we can build a better future across the nations but how we can do that in a way which is a real partnership, a real working together, uh, a real sense that there are differences, but those differences are not outweighed by uh, the sense that we want to move together as the United Kingdom. I don't think federalism is that well known in the UK. 
you know, what, what kind of model do you prefer? Do you see it as the four constituent parts or do you see a regionalization of England in the federal structure? Have you got any thoughts on a model? The issue around England is a really tricky one, isn't it? And, yeah. and probably, you know, I'm going to be exercising my Fifth Amendment uh, uh, opportunity here, which is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to talk about England because once you get into England, then you get into, you know, Cornwall and Yorkshire and what have you. So uh, I think it's, it's really important that everybody makes the decision for their own nation according to their needs. We are very clear that the model is about, uh, you know, a united kingdom where we have devolved settlement, which, which, which actually is about growing that devolution agreement uh, to, to home rule, uh, that we need to be looking at uh, de devolving other powers to Wales, such as, you know, justice uh, and the legal system. For me, it's about saying that it's not about nationalism. It's not about separating Wales from the rest of the United Kingdom. It's about a clear, a clarity around the relationship we want with the United Kingdom, whilst recognising the identity uh, uh, that we want here in Wales to make our own decisions and have the resources to do that. Obviously, this has been Liberal Democratic policy for a long time. How do you think the best way to implement this change would be? I haven't thought enough about what it would involve in terms of the decision-making process, but I, I think I would rule out referend, series of referenda across the UK and certainly a ref, not a referendum here in Wales. I don't think it's well known enough about, I don't think we've put it out there enough, I don't think it, um, we've done enough to think about what it means for people's everyday lives. Um, but we elect people to make decisions and uh, we elect our politicians and our, our Senate members to make the decisions. And we should be confident in them making the decisions on our behalf. But yeah, I would see it as starting off with a series of citizens assemblies on uh, constitutional issues, uh, on uh, how we drive forward change, how we get ideas from people about how they want uh, decisions made uh, and, and then to grow that from the grassroots upwards. What do you say to those members of your party and to other parties who are being drawn towards independence? What about federalism should assuade them from the view that Wales and Scotland and England should be independent? Yeah, you're right about there being a move. You know, more, uh, more people are into curious now. Uh, and I think the two big events uh, that move people to be more into curious, you know, in, in the Welsh Liberal Democrats as well as in other parties um, have been Brexit and, and COVID. Brexit because people are very, very angry uh, if they're internationalists and Europeans here in Wales, that we are in the position we are, which is that we've left the EU. And then COVID, almost for the opposite reason, which is that uh, people can see the real positives that have come uh, from Wales actually being, taking different decisions and, uh, you know, kind of ploughing its own route through that's been very different and has... In I think, engendered a different culture in the way that we, we, we've approached the issue. But I, I think the indecurious issue is something we need to be open and talking about. It, it is 
a fresh idea and a new idea in that it gives people energy. And I think the 16 and 17 year olds coming into the Voten um, arena as well, we need to recognise that many of those have joined Yes Cymru and are thinking about how they can look at independence as an opportunity to generate energy and excitement. So I, I would be starting that conversation with them around independence means uh, that we separate ourselves from everybody. Uh, independence actually for me is a Brexit for Wales. Independence could mean that we're another three years of kind of not focusing on the real issues. In, you know, as we did with Brexit, we got totally consumed by, by Brexit. Um, and actually what we need to be looking at is what makes us the same, what makes us different and how we can work on those without actually kind of creating this huge this huge chasm between um, Wales and the other nations uh, and that we need to recognise that we have an incredible opportunity to work together now with, with people and exemplify the good things about Wales, uh, the good things about having default assembly, uh, Senedd, the good things about having a first minister who's been very clear about what we should be doing differently. Uh, this is exactly the right time we should be talking about federalism and, um, you know, having the discussions around pe with people who are indie curious as well. Do you think federalism is a, is a realistic approach for the UK now? Or do you think we might have missed the window with where Scotland is? Or if Scotland does go indie, where would that then leave the rest of the UK? And, or do you think it's, federalism is still possible even with Scotland? If Scotland does adopt independence and goes, goes for it again and is successful, where does that leave us? You know, the Northern Ireland, England and Wales, where does that leave us? Um, and I still come to the same answer, which is that it still means that we fight to remain as part of this bigger picture uh, and that we, we maintain our identity through that. And in many ways, we're in a stronger position. Uh, and let me just say why, because I'm, I am biased and I'm bound to be, you know, like yourselves, you know, we, we live in Wales and, you know, we'll be Welsh speakers, we'll, we'll have our Welsh heritage and our Welsh culture. And I, I think that is actually stronger for us here in Wales than perhaps it is for, for you know, Scotland doesn't have its own language. I, I don't think I pick up that it has, you know, the kind of cultural kind of bedrock that we do here in Wales with the Steadwads and uh, you know the kind of kind of heritage and culture that we have so I still think that we would have that strong voice of saying we want to stay with England and, and Northern Ireland um, and of course we'd continue a really strong relationship with Scotland and that in many ways I think has probably grown between the first ministers across Scotland and Wales in in the COVID-19 period. So picking, picking up on that, then, one of the things we had in a previous pod where we were looking more on independence, we had uh, a Scottish academic on who was, who was fantastic, and she placed it along the lines of Labour are ambivalent unionists. Would that be something, you know, you'd see in the kind of liberal approach to things? No, it's not. I, I'd say we're strong unionists. You know, in every party, there's going to be people who, uh, you know, are kinds of uh, one extreme or the other. We're a broad church here in the Liberal Democrats, uh, in, in, you know, the kind of National Party broad church. We accept everybody's viewpoints, but we're, we're strong unionists and we, you know, we believe in the union and 
Uh, not only that, but I'm bound to get in that not only are we strong unionists, we're strong internationalists as well. And, and we're, you know, we were the only national party that fought to stay in the EU when it came to the elections and when it came to uh, all of the campaigning. We were the only party that uh, across the UK that said, our position is absolutely crystal clear. We want to stay in the EU. And our position on unionism is equally clear. We want to stay uh, in the union. We fought you know, against the independence referendum in Scotland uh, and we, we fought for Scotland to stay with us and we'll, we'll do that when it comes to the next Scottish independence referendum if it happens. Uh, and that's our position on Wales as well. If, if independence presented a clear opportunity for Wales to rejoin the EU, how do you think the Liberal Democrats would, would decide on that issue? Do you think they would want to stay part of a federalised UK or a federalised Europe? What would you think would be the preference of Liberal Democratic members? It's a really difficult one. And I, I think we would still say that what we, what we want is for Wales to be, uh, to have a strong voice in Europe, to have a strong voice in the UK, to have uh, those good arrangements and good partnerships, both within the UK and within Europe. It really doesn't mean that we have to separate ourselves from one thing in order to jump into the other. We can do both. Uh, and that really is what federalism and international, internationalism is about. You know, what I want is for the UK to be offered the opportunity to join, rejoin the, the EU at some point in the future. And, uh, you know, when the Liberal Democrats become the UK Parliamentary Party in power, then that will happen. We don't have to sacrifice one thing uh, in order to get the other. So what is the next step for, for yourselves? And also you've got Labour talking about federalism or confederation. I forget how many working groups they've got, but would you work with them or have you got your own plans on that? I mean, I think the next step is, is as we emerge from COVID, and you know, we've got to recognise that actually that has to be the priority here, doesn't it? The priority is really getting Wales back on its feet after, after the COVID crisis and recognising the incredible sacrifices that many people have made and also the tragic losses um, that have been suffered. So, we, we, you know, we, we must be absolutely proportionate in terms of our, our kind of uh, approach here. But I, I think there is something that says we should actually be outraged that powers are taken away from us uh, and that there is a, a move to take powers away from us in Wales. We're already seeing that. Our, our right to self-determination should not be doubted and should not be um, challenged. And, and that's what it's been feeling like. Uh, and whilst we, of course, must, but must ensure that we get on with the, the really important issues like our health services, our social care services, making sure our businesses are supported, making sure our, the environmental issues are addressed and that post-COVID we've got a clear plan and strategy in place, that does rely in part on the support and the settlement and the respect that we get from Westminster. And we haven't had that. And that has been eroded throughout COVID and throughout the Brexit negotiations. And, you know, we've still got the Brexit negotiations that will continue now until, you know, December 2020. Uh, and we don't know what, we still are unclear what that's going to mean for us here in Wales. We should be outraged. We should really be uh, furious that actually our right to self-determination and our powers 
are starting to be eroded. And I would like to start a discussion around that. Again, it goes back to what I said, it has to be everyday matters that, uh, that, that apply here. So we have to think, how does that matter to the person, you know, whose door we're knocking on or who, where we're delivering leaflet or the conversation that we're having. So yeah, I, I want to start that discussion when it's appropriate and when the time is right. Would you, would you consider it to be an issue along with the independence issue in next year's Senate election? Or do you think that that's far too soon for this kind of debate in Wales? It, it will be an issue, definitely. And we're, we're up for it. But we also think our health service and our education uh, provision and our businesses and our, our environment are, are, are really at the centre of what we should be uh, looking at. But it, of course it will be because, uh, you know, we'll have on the one hand, we'll have Plaid Cymru telling us that we need to go independent and we'll have the Es Cymru and the Indicurious group saying the answer to all of, all of our ills here in Wales is, is to become independent. And we'll have the, uh, are they called the Abolish the Assembly group now? I've forgotten what they're called or Abolish the Senate group. However, we'll ha you've got them on the other hand you know, it really is ridiculous. Abolish it, and uh, let's all just give all the powers to um, the, the 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 parliament. So, well, of course, it will be a big debate, and of course, it will be a big issue. But I think it'll be in a political bubble, if I'm honest. Um, but it, it's important that that's where the big decision starts in a political bubble. Um, that's where internationalism, Europe, Europe, you know, the, the kind of um, support for Europe started. That's where a lot of the discussions start in a bubble. Uh, and and we need to take it outside. So I'm not saying it's wrong um, that we uh, that we just have these discussions and debates that are on television or um, you know in podcasts like this or whatever. They're important because that's where we start to really refine uh, and fine tune what we what we want to talk about. And actually, what I'd like to see, and I think to a certain extent we started to see that in the COVID crisis, is is the first ministers of Scotland and Wales really working together to force better settlements for their respective countries and, and really to up that and, and to just demonstrate the real strength that we have in devolved uh, governments and devolved executives um, that really focus in on what this means for the health service, uh, for uh, you know the, the environment, for education, that, that's where we need to focus it. We, we, we want more money for Wales, we want what we deserve. And we can only do that if we remain uh, within the union and that we remain in uh, fighting for a, a, a good arrangement with the, with the UK Parliament and to have the best deal for Wales out of the European uh, negotiations as well. And that's the, that's the angle, uh, you know, that we've always taken and, and will still continue to take when it comes to the elections next year as well. One of the things I'm interested in on federalism, Jane, and it's to take us out of the UK context, really, and look at federalism as a normal form of government in a lot of the world, a lot of Europe, a lot of our big European neighbours. But we generally, unless you're in that political bubble, really, you don't really see it. And our media certainly don't present the likes of Germany or Spain as federal countries. Why, why do you think that is? And I, I think we need to understand these places a lot more than what we do to get that buy-in but also, is there anything you think we can learn on any of those kind of models around Europe, the wider world? 
I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the C word, the coalition words. I, you know, I think there's a lot we can learn from, you know, federal states around the way that they govern. And uh, one of the things, obviously, is that they're much more used to coalitions than we are. And they're much more used to partnership working and uh, how you can really work with your worst enemy with a common purpose. So... I don't know when there will ever come a time again where that may be a political solution in the UK. Uh, I can tell you that for the Liberal Democrats, it will be not in my lifetime, I don't think. And I'm not saying that's over my dead body, but I, th I think probably I am saying that, um, given the pain and heartache, because we're just not used to it. We just haven't got our heads around what's um, working with others is about. And that, that's in essence, isn't it? That's one of the tenets of, of federalism, that it's about partnership working. It's, it's about sharing powers. It's about sharing resources whilst recognising the differences. But there has to be a common purpose. And I guess the issue for us in the, in the, in the coalition government that was here in the UK was that Liberal Democrats and Conservatives were, were, were miles apart. So uh, it wasn't like there was much of a common ground, really. And we did it too quickly. And, you know, we didn't look at other political models you know competence and supply for example I, I think there is an opportunity to look at those models but i'm not sure the uk is going to be ready for that for a decade or even more uh, and as we as we go forward you know we 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 know it's going to be conservative or labor in terms of the uh, united kingdom ruling over us um, and, and I, I don't think we're going to be ready for anything that's going to change change that but do you think that these kind of changes, more uh, a more proportional voting system, a uh, federal UK, do you think those would be things that the Liberal Democrats at uh, UK level would be willing to, if not go into coalition, perhaps provide common supply on with a Labour government in the in Westminster? I think that's a really interesting question. And we'll look at what we've done in Wales with Kirsty being uh, in um, the Senate and also, you know, I think the, the, the Senate and the Assembly previously had, has experienced, doesn't it, of working with other parties. You know, we worked with Labour 2000, 2003, was it? Something like that, and applied to Cumbria. Uh, you know, we, so there's, there's, been, there's been a model here in Wales where we're up for that and where we're open for that. You know, the focus always has to be not what's best for your party, but what's best for the country. And I know that's a bit kind of fluffy and what have you, but it is true. Without going, without saying any more about the coalition governments, whether whether that will extend, you know, if Keir Starmer becomes prime minister, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll be ready for it, as in the Liberal Democrats at UK level will be ready for it. And don't forget that in 2010, Gordon Brown refused to go into, into coalition with the Liberal Democrats. That, that was apparently the first preference, but refused to do it. And yeah, I think there'd have to be a huge shift to see us uh, moving in with the Labour Party in any way. But I think there should always be opportunities to work together um, and to look at clear, clear ways that we can do that, um, you know, on, on key issues. Do we really see Westminster giving up any further powers at this stage, really, with the current administration? I'm not sure. 
but I think we have to fight for it. I mean, I think it's the responsibilities on us and, um, uh, you know, nothing will change. You know, turkeys won't vote for Christmas. Uh, we have to really fight for that. We have to uh, really demonstrate that, uh, you know, we, we're out, as I said, we're outraged, we're furious that we're in this place. Uh, and, you know, I, and like many others in Wales, I'm delighted that Mark Drakeford has had the publicity he's had. You know, he's been on the national news in the over the UK. He has been featured as a, as a different sort of leader, as a leader who's calm, who is about uh, stepping back and being reflective. And um, I think, you know, we have to demonstrate that further here in Wales, and we have to say, this is the this is the deal we want, uh, and we want our MPs and our representatives to fight for that when it comes to uh, Westminster. We want people to sign up to that. That's the way we have to go. Uh, how far we'll get, I'm not sure, but we we have to make the effort to do it. You know, the whole idea about federalism is 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 that partnership of equals. It is that we are all together in this. I don't know if you've ever watched West Wing. I, I'm watching it again, the entire series, for the fifth time. And um, there is a uh, Jed Bartlett, who you probably know is the, is the presidential kind of uh, character. He talks about federalism and the federal states and the, the way the federalist system works in the USA in a debate. I think it's episode 122, uh, <laughs> where he, uh, he's, he's in a debate and he's asked by a senator from this very rich oil, uh, rich kind of state. And why should they give any money? Why should they give any money to, to the US government? And he goes through arguments really, really clearly. And he says, because you've got this, Nebraska got this, and uh, we're all sharing our resources fairly. And then he says to the senator, he says, so I, my reckoning is you've had $120 million worth of whatever it was. So when can we have that money back, please? It's, 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 a, you know, it's really well put. And I was thinking about how can we translate that into uh, the, that kind of journey? So do go and watch West Wing, not for the fifth time is my advice, because it does drive everybody else in the family wild when you can quote virtually every episode line for line and you make people watch snippets from it and they're bored solid but um you know there are some there are some really good examples where we can start that discussion around um how we all have to be on board with this the, the one thing for me which is and i can be persuaded on federalism quite easily with certain approaches but if we're looking at the elected members to make these decisions now and we look at scotland and scotland is dominated by a party which has just got a focus on independence do we really see them looking at federalism in any meaningful way with independence so tangible you know i think that's that's a fair point and um you know in my brief period in parliament i i had a a, a different take on the smp uh members of parliament and the smp politicians because really what it felt like was that we were on the same page on so many issues, but their solution, just as Plaid Cymru's solution, um, it was one of splitting us off uh, and making both them and us poorer. Uh, so I, I'm still unsure whether Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP will 
really want to fight for an independence referendum. Um, and I think when they when they're not able to get it, of course, they'll turn the tables and blame Westminster for that. Um, but I, I think there is a discussion to be had uh, and to persuade them otherwise. And maybe the COVID crisis has started to talk about that. I mean, I don't know if you heard the radio this morning, but, you know, Ian Blackford was being absolutely pilloried for taking a position that Scotland had dealt with the COVID-19 crisis with, uh, you know, kind of fewer deaths and, um, you know, better better response to care homes. And actually, the statistics don't bear that out. I think there's a lot to be said for us again, working together and coming back to this. We're, we're better together. And it, and it is this this power, uh, this partnership of equals. Jane, thank you so much for, for coming on the show tonight um, and talking to us about federalism and a whole host of other things. Uh, where is the best place to get hold of you and what's the best way? Um, it's best through my Twitter handle, which is at Dodds Jane. Wonderful. Diolch yn fawr iawn am Dodds ar y sioe. Diolch yn fawr iawn i chi hefyd. Diolch yn fawr Thanks again to Jane Dodds for coming on to the show. Now we move on to discussion between Heaven David and Mark Hooper talking about federalism and independence. You join us here as we talk federalism with Heaven David, the member of the Senate for Cafili. Hello, Heaven. Oh, it takes ages to unmute. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also our first returning guest to the podcast, he who must not be named, Mr. Mark Hooper. Hello, Mark. Hi, Max. You well? I'm very well. Nice to have you back, Mark. And the first thing I really wanted to ask both of you is why do you think we should or shouldn't have a federal UK? Heaven, if you'd like to start. Okay. Um, well, all this came about uh, from my interest, particularly in uh, the principle of subsidiarity and the fact that decisions need to be made at the level that is uh, most local to the to the nature of the decision. So, you know, I take a very pragmatic view that if you're going to be making decisions about people's lives then they they need to be as close to those people as possible depending on what the decision is so you know i've just been in a meeting about a, a planning application and the first person i invited to that was a county councillor um to help with residents concerns and by the way it was a plaid Cymru county councillor and we get on very well so i'd like to say that at the outset for mark and uh, you know that that is subsidiarity in action and i think you know you need to take a pragmatic view of it if you look at the united kingdom we haven't got a united kingdom based on the principle of subsidiarity we got united kingdom which power is highly centralized and uh, it is in, in the case in Scotland and Wales also dispersed but there's no rationale behind it and I think we need a rationale if you were designing a, a country or a state from from first principles you wouldn't design it like the United Kingdom is designed you know there's there's not a lot I disagree with what heaven has just said I think that's it's important that we have decisions made as close to the people who who it affects as possible and I think you can carry that all the way through but the interesting thing is why we're here is because heaven, as have lots of other people, are starting to recognise that actually United Kingdom as an entity doesn't work in its current form. Now, it's where you go to that and how you solve those problems, which is the critical thing. And this is where we need to. And again, I think there are lots of things that heaven and I would undoubtedly agree on. We've got some massive issues ahead of us in Wales, and we need to have the ability to be able to solve them. So the issue of federalism, independence, but actually is all, driven, is all driven by the same thing. It's actually our country no longer works in a way that it used to, supposedly, to help people who are most in need. And I think that's 
that's where we should start this conversation from. We should start this conversation and talk about the things that we'd like to change, the policies we'd like to change, the levers we'd like to see changing, and then you fit a structure around it. Because as Heaven finished, and I'll finish on the same thing, if we were choosing the United Kingdom today, we wouldn't choose what we've got. So we know it's wrong. The issue is, is where does it go? How, what do you think federalism would actually solve? Or do you think it's just a very technocratic kind of response? Um, yeah, I, well, Mark, Mark said, you know, having starting to come around to this, I actually have always thought it. Um, I've, you know, I've never, I'm not some sudden convert to redesigning the United Kingdom. Um, I thought in the, uh, in 1999, when we were uh, having the referendum on, on this, the establishment of the Welsh Assembly, I thought, well, this is only a, a sticking plaster on a bigger issue. Um, what about the regions of England? How, how do you make sure that there is a balanced dispersal of power across the United Kingdom? Um, and, and I don't think the Welsh Assembly or the Scottish Parliament or the Welsh Parliament um, has even come close to addressing that. I think the Labour government in 1997 should have been braver. I think they should have put in a manifesto uh, to create a, a balanced democracy and a codified constitution. And I don't think they needed a referendum to do it because I think they would have had the backing of uh, the Liberal Democrats and that in itself would have taken them over 50% of the vote um, in, 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 uh, after the election. So I think it was, a missed, it was actually a missed opportunity to do it back then. Although those of us who remember the referendum battle um, it also brought out a whole load of people who wanted the status quo. You, you've got to ask the question, what's the salience of this? Would people really have not voted Labour or Liberal Democrat if they'd said, we're going to go ahead with the Code of the Constitution? I don't think it would have made the slightest bit of difference to the vote, because the vote at the time was about the economy, it was about the health service and education. That, that was what 1997 was about, and a huge dis dissatisfaction with the Tories. And in fact, most elections are about those things. And this issue of redesigning the United Kingdom, it should be a central plank of uh, a progressive party of government's offering at an election alongside the other things which people have see as much higher salience in their lives. And, and that's where I think the Labour Party should be in 2026. As, as having described, had that happened in 97, you may not be in the same position as you are now with the way that um, Scotland has gone. So there's been, these are mistakes that have led to this position, but I now think we're in a position whereby Scotland is going to go. How it goes, I think, will be interesting. When will it be allowed the opportunity? Um, and things could change. Things could always change. I think you, you reunification of Ireland is becoming ever more likely. Um, so these things are, are here in the reality of where we are. If we're talking about a federated England and Wales, then there's no, it's, it's impossible to even consider how that might work. So I think we're talking about something that the argument, the ship has sailed, and it sailed a while ago. And it perhaps, you know, heaven is, has pinpointed the point where it could have been saved. But now the opportunity is to solve the things that really matter. Because this, I don't want to make this a Nick Clegg moment, but I agree with heaven when the real issues are the other things that he talked about. And we need to be able to solve them. And we're seeing in the crisis that we're in and the crisis we're about to hit is that we're too reliant on people from away trying to solve our problems. And they can't. We need to talk about the reality, where we are, and how it will um, change. But then we can solve the problems that really matter to people. This being the debate then, let's look at where our differences lie. And my, my difference with Mark lies in the fact that I don't think the Scotland has a settled opinion on leaving the uh, United Kingdom um, in the same way that Britain didn't have a settled opinion on leaving the European Union. Um, I think a referendum campaign may, um, may polarise and crystallise some people's views, but there's no 
certainty that that means that Scotland's going to leave. And in fact, putting aside the fact I fundamentally agree, disagree with the principle of referendums, I think you've got to start with a single transferable vote electoral system. That's more important than holding referendums. You know, and I think that needs to be both in the Welsh Parliament and in the UK Parliament. But put that aside, um, our different opinion on Scotland, I don't think it is the settled will of the Scottish people to leave the United Kingdom. I think if you gave an offer, and, and the offer isn't going to come from the Tories, if this offer is going to come, it's going to come from a, a Labour government in Westminster. The offer, if it had to be a referendum, and I don't agree with it, but I suspect I may well be overruled, if, if you had to have a referendum, I think it would contain an option of independence, but I think the, um, the option would also contain a federalised structure of the, uh, within the United Kingdom. I think you could take England along with that as well. That's another place I disagree. Um, a lot of people who uh, argue against federalism say you can't have England, Scotland and Wales. Well, of course you can't. And my, my view is that England is not a unified country. Um, if you look at what's happening with the coronavirus now, clusters of councils are being given power. Well, those clusters reflect regions and those regions exist across Across England as they always have done. And I can't see how um, a good government couldn't persuade people that that, that would be an, a, a good way of constructing a, a state. The other issue, I come back to this, this principle now, if I ever raise independence, my views on independence on Twitter, I get an incredible amount of abuse um, and attacks and quite uh, nasty stuff, which never comes from Mark Hooper, I would also add. But th there are a certain group of people who I think are a minority who want Welsh independence at all costs, always have done, and it's an ideological thing. I don't, I, I would support Welsh independence if I thought it pragmatically, what, pragmatically was the right thing for the future of our union, both Europe and Britain. But I don't think at this point in time it is. And those people who are ideologically uh, in favour of Welsh independence will never accept anything that they see as a watering down uh, of the purest approach uh, to what they want the future to be. I think you've got to get, it, get there by compromise, by consensus, and agreeing a future that is best uh, for, the, for the whole of the United Kingdom. And I also think, and Mark has poo-pooed this on Twitter, I've seen, that certain decisions are best taken at a supranational and international level. Um, and that would be, you know, decisions on, on global uh, relationships. Uh, and, and I think the United Kingdom is better placed to give Wales a powerful voice than Wales were they to go it alone. And, and I think that that could be an idea, an area where we have respectable disagreement, because I can't see how we'll ever bridge that divide, actually. Um, but I think that's important. And it is perfectly in line with that principle of subsidiarity. There are degrees of which we uh, um, can end up at independence also. I know Carolyn Jones is in favour of a confederation. Now, I think you need to have a discussion before you get to that point. Um, but really, I think I, I'd want my party to lead on that principle of federalism because of a very pragmatic view that subsidiarity is correct. You know, I think we need to avoid to pitching people as certain this is the reason why people come to independence. My, my re rationale behind thinking that independence is the right thing, is all about pragmatism. It's all about being able to have the, the levers of power to, to answer our problems. Heaven's view, you've just got to look at where Scotland's going. And particularly, and, and even the coronavirus impact at the moment is, is crystallising that conversation and making it more and more likely that we're going to see Scotland demanding, because actually the, the principle has already been established that Scotland has the right to be able to take this decision themselves. They've been given one referendum. Admittedly, it was, in the, um, it was going to be a once-in-a-generation referendum, but the principle has been, has been decided. 
And I think you've got to be really careful to have multi-option referendums. You know, you and I probably share some view agreement on the use overuse of referendums. I think they should be very, they should have limited, if at all, use. Politicians are, are paid to take decisions like these and important decisions. I agree they should. But if we have a, a referendum, a multi-option referendum, I think will cause more confusion than it will actually solve the problem. Now, if it comes to how we how people come to this conclusion of of independence rather than a, another form of, of structure within the United Kingdom. We've also got a challenge where the, the, the assumption that actually the United Kingdom is best placed on a global stage to represent all of our views better. And do we have, uh, would we have an influence as a, a citizenship of Wales? And would that be best influenced through the United Kingdom? I think the United Kingdom for a long time, and this has been you know, different coloured leadership, so whether it's Labour or, or Conservative, you know, we've proven to be the warmonger on times. We've proven to be the people who are not really active, good citizens, global citizens. There are other and um, better places. And being an active um, participant in the United Nations ourselves, I think would be a much better um, option. So I, I, I don't accept that view. But, you know, federalism can always be reversed. It still is a situation where we'd have power devolved, essentially. And it can just and it's just power withheld. So what having may do with his, um, and Kenya Starman may do with their um, power, could always be reversed back into um, a United Kingdom. So, so until, until we have um, some assuredness that that wouldn't be the case, I feel that we're, we're, talking, we're talking about something that isn't real. The, the, the fact that it could be, could be reversed is actually quite attractive. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, why would you want to make a decision that is going to lock you into something that may not work forever? So that argument that it couldn't be reversed, I think, is probably good. Um, but that is reversed by who, though, Heaven? That's the, the question. Reversed by the United Kingdom as a federal structure or reverse, you know, would Wales, no country that's become independent of the United Kingdom has, has actively sought to go back into being part of the, the overall whole. So this isn't gonna, this, you know, the chances of that happening, I think are, are quite low. So it's, it's, the choice needs to rest with the Welsh people. In terms I, I of think, decision. I think once you take, undertake constitutional change that, that proves itself to be effective, there's no, I agree, there's no will to, to reverse it. And I suspect federalism will be the same thing. But once you leave the uh, union, once you leave a union, going back is almost impossible. And I, I do feel that an argument for leaving the UK union, the UK economic union, is very similar to Britain leaving the European union. Um, I think a, a, a union in these times is, is, a, is a good thing. Um, and I'm speaking as someone who's, who's kind of a, I've always described myself as a Eurosceptic who voted Remain. Um, I could definitely see the economic case for remaining in the European Union. I think Wales was better off in it. But democratically, it was hugely questionable. And part of me, um, you might not like to hear this, Mark, but part of me feels a little bit of relief at us leaving the European Union in democratic terms because it gives us uh, a, a say uh, over uh, our own democratic destiny, even if it abandons that, that rich principle of subsidiarity. Um, so I, I, can, I can understand completely why people voted to leave the European Union. I can understand why people would want to leave the British Union as well. But I think a, a general trend towards leaving of unions is, is a bad thing. And there's a whole complexity around, the, around doing it that cannot simply be answered um, in a yes, no question in a referendum either. 
Um, so, so the whole concept of having a, a referendum, you know, you are you are inevitably going to be simplifying choices, which are hugely complex, down to uh, a, a binary decision. And the problem with the referendum is that if you are on the losing side, so you are in the in the forty eight percent, you are effectively told, "Shut up, you lost." That's happening time and time and time again. Um, happened in the European referendum and happens across the globe where there are referenda. If you have a single transferable vote. A system of electing people to a parliament. If you, your party does not form the government, you still have members of parliament in that parliament. Now, that is part of the reason why I say if you're going to achieve change, the first step towards achieving change needs to be reforming the electoral system. It needs to be moving towards a single transferable vote system that gives proportionality. Only then can you start then talking about redesigning the state because anything else doesn't give you authority to do so. And I include in that a referendum, which I think actually is a, is a, is a blunt tool that actually leads to more dissatisfaction and even civil unrest, I think, eventually. We've seen nothing good come out of the referendum on the European Union, and I can't think of a single referendum that has actually settled an argument. So if you're talking about having a referendum that leads to independence, which is irreversible, there's going to be a whole chunk of people and a quite a significant number who will feel entirely disenfranchised and will be dissatisfied with the outcome of that. If you're going to achieve something, you need to do it through a parliamentary representative democracy. But the other thing a referendum does, it, it raises the salience of an issue. So any issue you have a referendum on suddenly becomes hugely salient in the eyes of people who who previously wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have escalated it above other issues. So, for example, a referendum on European Union. The European Union was not a massive issue for people until Cameron decided to have a referendum on it to save his own party from UKIP. It wasn't a big issue for people. Um, and it became this life or death issue only after the referendum result. If you had a referendum tomorrow on capital punishment and the, and the vote was in favour of capital punishment, it would be exactly the same thing. It's capital punishment would suddenly be a massive issue in our society. At the moment, I think we could, have, we, could have a, we, could have, we could have a debate on referendum and, and we'd agree. We'd have a debate on single transferable votes and we'd agree. If, if it comes to the decision on independence, uh, federalism, whatever the decision might be, I think at the moment we have no alternative way of solving that problem. I, I, I disagree got, with that. At the moment, we don't because we don't have a, we don't have a parliament that works that way. So we could. Well, we need, we need to vote Labour in the in the next general election, don't we? That's but, what we but need remember, Labour voted yeah, against yeah. Uh, proportional representation, Mark, so we should, not this we time should change that. Mark, I'm, I'm going to come in now because we've got a little bit of a, a script which you two have torn through, <laughs> and I think the issue on referenda and single transferable votes we can put in another pod but but it's a it's the heart of this Kerry it's the heart of this because there's people trying to get their way on 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 one issue by saying you know the plight said plight's vote in the senate they said don't vote for you know whatever you feel about independence don't vote on that issue um just give us a referendum that's what they said in the senate vote on independence it's at the heart of this it, it is at the heart of it um it, it's all part of it but what we're trying to focus on is the the federalism side of things because i can be persuaded by federalism i think what mark alluded to about scotland northern ireland going where does that leave us and that's completely different but if you're if we're looking at the federal position in the uk going forward like how do you see that working heaven you know what what structures are you looking at are you looking at a regional england four constituent parts and what powers do you see each of those areas having 
Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. I think you know, at, at that point, you, you need to bring in um, a, a constitutional convention and legal experts. And I understand that in opposition, Labour intends to run a, a constitutional convention, you know, in the next, well, this, this crisis is not helping to achieve that. But the, the idea would be to start a constitutional convention, convention while in opposition. But there are certainly options. And I don't think England is, is a single entity. So you split that up into, into different constitutional parts. Um, you need to have a written constitution um, and those dispersal of powers they don't have to be uniform dispersal of powers but if you look at the way the regions would would operate there would certainly need to be something on a par with what the assembly uh, and i see would assembly deliberately what the assembly will have had um, certain powers over you know regional planning uh, over environmental issues and even education there's no reason why those can't be devolved to a to a regional assembly in england and um, with possibly the welsh parliament and scottish parliament continuing with greater powers because of those the fact that we, we are nations but and I think that would entirely come through any any pragmatic constitutional discussion that would need to take place to firm up what that proposal would be we're coming up against the things now that make that show the weaknesses of the devolved settlement and a lot of people knew recognized those weaknesses when we came out and, the, and the, the weaknesses were built into the system when it was first developed they were built in for party political advantage one could argue but, but now we're in a situation where even if you, so it, I'll argue for the northeast of England now for the, for the hell of it. So they could end up with the same weaknesses being inbuilt into what they get because of this situation. And I don't think that's going to be something that's acceptable because they'll soon find that actually what they want clearly is more powers. Because actually the one thing you find is that if you, one lever of power only goes so far and you find you need the next one, you need the next one and you need the next one to be effective. And you take where we are now and we're seeing that actually we're all dependent on the political decisions of Rishi Sunak, particularly when it comes to furlough during this pandemic. There is nothing, there is nothing that the Welsh government can do that can adequately replace that system. If we were independent and we had our own central bank, we could get our own treasury to lend money on our behalf and we could go and print money in the same way as they're printing money um, for quantitative easing elsewhere. So the options become a lot bigger. And I would be concerned if I was in the northeast of England that I'd be sitting there with this, you know, half-baked solution to really big problems. And interestingly, you know, the northeast of England, and I'm sure, again, this is something we probably agree with, the issues that the northeast of England face and the issues that Wales face on an economic basis are very, very similar. The one thing I think is worth considering is, is how those regions have changed in their allegiances in the recent election. So there is a there's a big change out there that I don't think we're recognised. And a part of that is because we've not given them the powers that they, that they need. So if you look at it on a federal basis, and it's the regions of England, Heaven, how, you know, how, what powers do these regions have and how do they come about? I, I suppose we don't, you don't want to get into the, the reserved and uh, non-reserved powers uh, debate. I, I think you could easily delay and Mark says, you know, it didn't work for the Welsh Assembly and, and again, deliberately using the word assembly. But there's lessons learned there. I think there's an opportunity for those um, regions of England to be empowered along those lines I've already identified. Local education services, environment, large scale planning, development, those areas that are, are suitable to a regional area of governance and I think perhaps turn it around a bit what is missing from the United Kingdom is regional governance 
You know, there's, there's a huge layer of governance that isn't there. And this pandemic has shown that in that they've had to create clusters of areas in order to deliver effective governance. The other thing about the, the furloughing uh, and, and you know, um, economic policy, I actually think in the early days, um, Rishi Sunak's policy worked. You know, furloughs across the United Kingdom and the furlough approach has been effective. It saved jobs in my constituency. Um, I've deliberately not gone and criticised the Conservative government throughout this pandemic because, number one, people really don't want to hear it. But also, there hasn't been lot in economic terms at this point in time to complain about because that policy has worked across the whole of the UK. What has we, been more effective has been the Welsh Parliament's, um, the Welsh Government's approach to local uh, lockdown um, and, and I think regions of England needed a regional approach there too and I think they still do. The, my point about the furlough was the end in a bit. We have nothing to solve that when it comes to the end so and that just shows the our powers are weak, we are reliant, we are dependent on others and it's whether or not they uh, they understand the concerns we've got in our area it's a very blunt instrument the, i was going to come in sort of on that point mark is there any sort of formulation of powers to you that think you think that could make people who support independence more content with the union more economic levers that you could have that would that would make people feel more comfortable within the union or do you think it's it's gone past that point do you know i think there's lots of things we're all pretend uh, are probably supportive of devolution better than being just part of the united kingdom so this has been an improved picture than it was before and i think the way that we've dealt with so i think the stamp duty um, elements where and i wouldn't agree with the core proposal but the fact that some money has been saved to do something else where this more appropriate to wales makes sense so i think you know there's a lot of things we can do and have done historically that you could argue would be a better suited to Wales. But I think when it comes down to it, you know, we have no ability to be able to effectively raise taxes in a different way, substantially. There's some tax varying powers. But this is could we should be involving completely new taxes into our regime, new new ways of benefit. There's calls in Heaven's party for a universal basic income from some of the members. You know, if that was a solution that really was to be taken on board, we would soon realise that we can't do it. So I think I'm generally supportive of us doing things, but they're just not enough. I, I think the benefit of being in an economic union is particularly when there's shit like the United Kingdom, there, there's, there's huge regional imbalances across the UK. Um, and there are wealthier areas in which money is washing around and areas in which money is, is scarce. And unfortunately, in Wales, we've got more of those uh, latter areas than the former. And the part of a, a, a role of United Kingdom, speaking as someone in the Labour Party, is to redistribute wealth for the advantage of those who need it most. And I think, you know, part, part of um, a, a progressive tax system um, enables a, a, an economic union to share that um, more equitably. Now, of course, conservative government is less interested in doing that. I don't think that's a part of part of a an, an nationhood issue. Um, it's it's the issue of democracy and ensuring that um, the parties that are elected to Westminster um, have uh, the the power to veto any non-progressive approaches. The Conservative Party have never had, the right has never had a majority in a Westminster election other than through the first past the post system. If you start with a single transferable vote system, I know we're coming back to this, but it's all connected, then you start to solve that economic problem too. 
because the parties that that would be normally represented in an election would ensure that that economic union had fair and equal distribution of of taxation and you know if you leave the the economic union you lose that lever entirely even though that lever's not being used the reason it's not being used is because you've got a flawed uh, um, mandate in Westminster and a government that's refusing to do it. But you can change that by other means than introducing, than simply leaving that union. Leaving a union, it just, it just seems so final and uncertain and there's, a, and there's an inherent danger to it. You know, you lose all the benefits of a union. The, the biggest question that comes up most of the time when talking about federalism is how to make England work. If you look at the polling that comes from the Future of England surveys time after time after time, the response that England wants is English votes for English laws, which they have now. They don't, they're not a massive favour of an English parliament. They're not a huge fan of regional parliaments. Even since the introduction of English votes for English laws, there now seems to be this out-of-nowhere call for English independence that's come from a, a couple of recent polls. Do you think that, one, this idea of, of federalism is a popular one? And do you think that federalizing England or giving England devolution would abate that independence desire in England? I, th I think one of the things that these polls tend to miss out on is salience. And I think you see a lot of people talking, oh, there's this huge wave of people calling for independence, huge wave of people unhappy with the United Kingdom. There may be people responding to polls saying that they feel that way about when they asked about that specific issue, but it doesn't have a huge salience in their lives. And I think if you to ask them instead about the economy or the health service or education, that would have much higher salience that would actually override all of those feelings. And, I, and I, it just comes back to the point where if you're going to, going to make a, a central plank of your party offer, a constitutional change, I don't think that party is going anywhere. I think you've got to make a, a clear economic and social offer first and say alongside that we will deliver the following constitutional change and I think that that is where you win the argument. If you go into to, to an election saying you know we're all about Welsh independence or we're all about abolishing the Senate or we're all about um, federalism you're not getting anywhere you're not going anywhere you aren't offering anything that makes a fundamental difference to people's lives and people are not going to look at your party and say oh that sounds great even if you say you go for independence we'll be wealthier even if you say that that still doesn't connect with people and also it's not true what makes society worthwhile i think is the key question what because wealth doesn't just get managed in pound notes either and i think that's one of the risks of this debate i don't think any party and i don't think plaid in particular and i'm not standing sitting here alongside you as a as a plaid cymru um, person i'm talking about somebody who's interested in independence as a, an alternative i'm just happen to be a member of plaid but the the challenge that we've got is how do we solve some of the problems that devolution has failed to solve for the last 20 years despite it having a left of centre government throughout all that time with Labour being in power through all those 21 years. And I'm not somebody who spends my energy criticising the Labour Party for their lack of caring about these issues. The issue is about being able to solve them. Redistribution within the UK, even when we had a Labour government, did not solve the problems that have been in our communities and in the communities that you represent for so long. So we do need to, to solve them. And that isn't an answer that allows more and more of our economy to drip out to other people. The UK is a very extractive economy. Essentially, the wealthy do the best out of the UK economy. To change that, you need the UK in its entirety to want to change. And I don't think England is going to change in that regard. It, had we had the opportunity you know, to solve these problems, we would need all those levers that we talked about earlier. So this is 
this is actually about solving people's problems. It isn't just independence for independence sake. And I don't think Clyde are making that case anyway. I just feel that this whole, um, this whole debate is about an agreement that the situation isn't as it should be. The previous um, assembly, uh, right up until the, the last referendum on, on extra powers, hasn't had the tools available to it. And that's not been because we're not independent, but because the uh, power distribution balance of the United Kingdom hasn't been right. I agree with that. And also, the reason that, uh, as you say, there's been this hegemony of the wealthy is because the conservative right has been unified around one party, where the progressive left has been split into a number of different party political groups and that simply disadvantages parties at, at, at first past the post election time so in order to achieve uh, both constitutional balance and economic balance and the GVA kind of approach that, that you're talking about it isn't about leaving the union it's about reforming it and changing the way we give power out federalism is about how we distribute power um, to institutions across the UK but also changing the way we elect governments is about how people individuals give their power to governments and I think both of those things need to happen together and if you don't have a, a, a fairer proportional electoral system alongside a, a, a changed constitution then you aren't addressing the issue and I think I, I think for many not yourself Mark but for many leaving the union is a simple easy answer which proves not to be simple nor easy in the long run it's not going to be simple and it won't be easy completely agree but it isn't working now and we're leaving we're leaving things up to the chance and the choice of others to define our future and the way our future is going at the moment particularly where we are now and the way this pandemic is going to play itself out and the one thing that i'm getting the sense of is that we are about to enter probably the worst economic position this country has been in since perhaps the 30s and without the powers, we're going to be leaving some of these communities and some of these people and individuals in an awful state. So we can't wait on the off chance that the Labour Party do something isn't good enough for Wales because it didn't happen last time and it isn't good enough going forward. So we need to have this debate. If it means that, that the Labour Party moves towards a sense where actually we recognise that we need these powers, then I think that's a good thing. Okay, and just to come back, when we say, you know, the futures, uh, if we stay in the United Kingdom, there'll be others doing things to us and it's, we won't be able to decide our future. You know, you're making a big assumption about what others are and what, what we are. You know, I, I'm still considering myself to be part of the United Kingdom. You know, and, 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 you know, the others you talk about are actually, I consider to be fellow citizens, you know, and that's, that's a significant issue that we can't just, just ignore and, and, and park because, you know, if 48% if of the country still see themselves as British, it's going to be a massive issue um, if, if there was a decision for independence. I'd also say in the coming storm, it's no time to be alone. I don't think that we, we, we should be um, reducing ourselves to, to ever smaller denominations um, in, in, an, in, a, in a turbulent tide when we actually would be better um, uh, in, in an economic union, although a very much changed one. So the question I wanted to sort of wrap up with talking about federalism is, is how it happens in, in practice. Obviously, we've talked about the constitutional convention that the Labour Party wants to do. But obviously, for that to happen, for that to be put into practice, Labour would need to win a general election. You know, we've had a number of podcasts recently where we've talked about the Labour Party in Scotland and how difficult it looks like it's going to be for Labour to win back support in Scotland. 
So this is a question to both of you, but to, to Heaven to begin with. How does Labour do this when it's so difficult to win back Scotland? You know, it isn't necessarily about gaining a majority, but it, but it's about sure that there's an alternative government to the Conservatives that can form a majority. And I would suspect that um, if, if there was an opportunity to form a government and there was consensus, then I think, you know, federalism, if it's if a constitutional convention in opposition produces a reasonable uh, reasonably formatable policy would be the Scottish National Party would be foolish not to to at least consider that as part of an offer that they want to see in Scotland and I can't see Wales uh, um, opposing that and if, an, and if a Labour Party is elected with a majority in England then that's entirely possible too so I think the future isn't as uncertain um, uh, isn't as certain as Scotland leaving, so therefore we've got to leave. I think actually there are huge options at the next election, and I think um, that that debate will still go on. And I think the certainty by which the future of Scotland and Wales is being framed is quite unfortunate at the moment. There's a reason that Labour lost Scotland, and the reason was that they spent their energy concerning themselves with things that the Scottish people were not concerned about. So this was about Going back to, if we started this conversation, this conversation talked about policies that people really cared about. And there came a point in time where Scottish Labour focused on things that, that didn't resonate with, with the people. Then you had a situation, you know, at the end of the day, SNP were the same, in 19, 2007, SNP were the same size as Plaid Cymru. So they've grown massively. And I would you know, challenge Labour to understand why that happened. And we need to be in a position to be able to solve problems. If those problems are about to become more acute than we ever thought they would be, then actually we do need to consider things that were previously unconsiderable and they come to power. I challenge um, Heaven. Heaven talks about us also being, you know, it's important to be together in this environment. I don't think there's a point in, in, in my um, lifetime where the UK has been less part of um, the global community than it is now. You know, we're aligning ourselves in, 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 with people and communities who are not necessarily those who are all for cooperation. The way we just decided not to get involved in the PPE buying um, campaign, and I'm sure these are things that we would agree on, but this is the United Kingdom as an entity is almost becoming a pariah state in the way that it deals with other people. So we're, we do have an issue about where we sit in um, the global world. Now, that stuff doesn't get resolved that easily. When it comes to Wales, so what lessons should we be, should Labour perhaps, and I'm, you know, this is for them to sort of learn from, from Scotland, I think they should consider one thing is the speed of change. And the speed of change in Scotland was incredible. There is a speed of change happening in the calls for independence in Wales. You know, when I first and I was, a, I was somebody who came to this cause rather than somebody who's been in it forever. But when people, you know, we were looking at 6 to 8%. The last poll, when you take out don't knows, had 32% of people supporting independence. Now, whether those polls are right, and I'm one, you know, who, who doesn't hang their hat on polls that often. But if that's in the, in the ballpark, then we've got a faster movement for change in Wales than Scotland had at the same time. So... If I was in the Labour Party, I'd be considering how do you make sure that we have radical solutions to people's issues and they need to be front and centre. Those are the things that make the difference. And I would say the same thing to Plaid Cymru as well. Plaid Cymru also need to make sure that they have radical solutions to people's problems. When those radical solutions are stopped by being part of this 
mighty United Kingdom, then we need to start to question what's the point of being part of the United Kingdom. We're obviously focusing on the UK, Wales in particular, but I'm just interested in your take on how federalism works in perhaps the rest of Europe, Heaven, I'd be interested in your take on where we could look for those kind of models, but also then your take on the likes of Catalonia, which are in that probably as most federal you can get as a, as a nation state, and they've still got that growing large independence movement. Yeah, and just before I answer that, Kerry, I'd say you know Mark has has actually hit the nail on the head with his with his remarks. Then, um, you know, I just think we we where we differ at that point is where we think the resolution of that issue is. I, I don't disagree with what Mark said in in his in his final statements there. You know, with regard to structure, I think um, Spain isn't a balanced um, state. Uh, it's not it's not a, a balanced state and i think you know the german lander are interesting uh, interesting to explore um even you know the united states is an interesting interesting model but the fact is these are countries that have developed uh, like topsy over over um a long period of time we are talking about a, a clean sheet um and starting with something from scratch so you know we can we can take examples of the best and the worst um but i think for the detail of that discussion I, and i suppose gary i'm not going to be pinned down on uh, delineating either the regions or the powers they should have uh, of england and the powers that uh, the welsh parliament scottish parliament should have in the future because i think that detail needs to be drawn out once we've agreed and i think we have agreed from the leadership of the Labour Party has agreed that we need to, to move to looking at a codified constitution and federal, federal structure. To draw out that detail at this point probably is premature. Catalonia is a, a quite a different case to Wales as well, I think, in terms of its, um, you know, it's, it's where a lot of wealth in, in Spain is stored. So I think there's, there are different arguments for, for Catalonia. I think it just shows that um, Spain hasn't got over some of the issues that it's had that stretched into you know pre the Second World War. You've got there are some big issues of differences in the way that they they split up the regions. So let's let's focus on what we need to do to solve problems. When we can't solve them within the United Kingdom, how do we best address them? When we come to the point where actually we realise that that can't be addressed by any of these things that Heaven is talking about, then I think we're left with very little option but to be able to do it ourselves. And, and the crux of it is, what are the things that we should be doing that make Wales safer for people, into economically safer, um, health, safety, all these things that make Wales safer? How do we do it? And if we can't do it as part of the UK, we need to do it ourselves. I'm convinced we can't do it as part of the UK. And I'm convinced that with the best endeavours of whoever is taking on the role of government in the Welsh Assembly, with the, within the Welsh Parliament, with the powers that they have, they won't be able to deliver the changes that we need. Carwin Jones's view on a confederal hmm. UK, do you think that's something that would be able to bridge the gap in the divide in the discussion at the minute? I spoke to him last week during the play debate and um, uh, you know he's convinced that confederation is the way forward. Um, it's a different model. It's more towards... Um, independence than a, than a purely federal model. Federal has a great deal of sense centralism in it, which would worry some people. So I think that conversation needs to be had. As I say, I'm very pragmatic. I, I, you know, I, I feel that just leaving the, the, the economic union is not a pragmatic act, but looking at different models of structure of a union is a good, is a good thing to do. And that's pretty much where I am. And I think the, the, the way Mark and I depart in our views 
uh, you know, not the, the what the problems are. And I think he's absolutely right. You know, the, any political party needs to listen to what people care about most and what they fear most. And 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 you know, the minute you stop doing that, then the minute you lose power. Um, and and you know, you need power to to have power to to make people's lives better. So if an independent Wales, um, we're on an island, we're sharing an island with England or the federated England that may um, remain after uh, heaven goes as all his um, esteemed colleagues tend to go is to the mother of parliaments rather than to our, um, to our Senate. Um, but if there's a, um, if we were an independent nation, we would, we would choose, I think, to want to have a good relationship with the regions of England, the country of Scotland, and the United Ireland. So I think there would be things that we would want as part of that agreement that would um, share, because, you know, a border, we don't have no um, compunction uh, to want to stick a wall up along Arthurstyke. You know, this is, there are some issues about how we work together, which are really important. We have, ta we have towns and villages that actually straddle the border. You know, we have people who, um, currently, their kids go to school in Wales, they live in England and vice versa, they go to the, um, the doctors in, in the other country. So I think there are things that we would want to make sure um, were agreed between us. And that may form some sort of a um, confederal approach, but it would be after we would decide that as a country. And this would be on the basis of us going into this as a, as a voluntary union. This isn't a, Mark Drakeford suggested that we're in a voluntary union. Um, but we never entered into it voluntarily, neither did Scotland, you know, they were forced into it. The new arrangements would be voluntary and on the basis of a democratic decision by our parliament. You know, I, I just worry if it's, if, if leaving the UK union is done by, you know, saying we don't like the fact that Conservatives in government and we leave it. And I don't think a Conservative government will then be well disposed to foster, fostering this lovely, friendly relationship with Wales. And that's, that does concern me a bit. But, you know, I think the best way to do it is, is through it through a government that, that wants to see a change in, in uh, UK government that wants to see a change across the United Kingdom. And I think that's a more effective way of doing it. But, um, you know, I, 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 just, I just feel there are different ways of approaching this problem than, starting, than the starting point of independence for Wales. We need to recognise there's a problem and then want to solve it. Where that leads us will be the interesting place. And I think we need to do some um, work and understanding as to what things would come with the different structures. So the case needs to be made. You know, I, I accept having you've been uh, you know, on this bus for a, the federal bus for a long time. You know, if that's the case, then these, these arguments need to be made. Um, and they need to be made in a way which... And persuades people and I think the same thing needs to be for independence as well because actually if we just follow what um, the UK is and have a little UK in Wales I think that would be as damaging to Wales as it was before you know we need to want to change things an independent Wales in my book needs to be quite a different place than it is at the moment so it needs to be fairer and um, it needs to solve some of these big issues that are ahead of us that we're just not solving as the United Kingdom but this we're at a point where at least we're challenging the thing, that, the, the thing that is wrong is the way the state operates at the moment. And I think that's a welcome conversation and it should be extended. And it should be done in a way that's collegiate. You know, we should want to have this conversation in a way that challenges each other. You know, where it ends up needs to be the most appropriate place for the people of Wales. And those people of Wales can be people who come into Wales as well. I, I don't think this isn't an ethno-nationalistic debate on my part. This is about a civic 
um, nationalism, which is quite different than um, it's sometimes being uh, portrayed as. And uh, on that moment of agreement, positive agreement, I think, between Mark and Helen, uh, maybe, um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank both our, both our guests this evening. So um, thank you, Kevin. Um, what's the Pleasure. best way for people to get in touch with you if they wanted to? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, <laughs> um, I now it's been mentioned so much. Is I there tend a... not to use my Twitter very seriously, to be honest with you, because I think it's such a an echo chamber and not, not a particularly helpful one. Um, if people want a serious conversation, then uh, heaven.david.assembly.wales. Uh, sorry, heaven.david.senev.wales. Mark, thank you very much for being here for, again, our first time, uh, second time guest. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I, I don't do Twitter. You made, that's the second time you've made that joke as well. It's, it's you know, we're going to see how many times you do it when you're on the show. Mark J. Hooper. Wonderful. And, um, and I'm going to start... Uh, Looking at Heaven's tweets more closely now, given that he sent me the challenge effect. Mark, my staff run my Twitter feed. I don't have nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you heard today, please take the time to find us on Medium at Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Blog. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.